My name is Ray Park, you may know me as playing Darth Maul in Phantom Menace, Bone Wars, and also Solo and Star Wars Story. You're listening to Star Wars Stuff Podcast, the force is strong with you all. And remember, sit walk. Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, letting you all know you are listening to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. Wishing everybody all the best, and may the force be with you. May the force be with you! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. My name is David. And I'm Retro Ray from uh, Star Wars Stuff Podcast and Countdown City Geekcast. And this is where we talk all things Star Wars. And before we get started today, we do want to thank our awesome supporters out there on Patreon. On the purple tier, we have Darth Ace One, Liam McCallion, Texas Vader 76, Chris Simpson, Kevin Leininger, Devin McCaffrey, Drew Peters, Zach Netzel. On the red tier, we have Fenrir526 and Maya Morris. On the black tier, we have Maka, Tala, Nathan Shank, and Evan O'Paker. Thank you so much for your awesome support throughout all the years and the months that we've been doing the podcast. You guys have no idea how much you guys help out the podcast, and we just want to thank you so much. And this past week, there was a bit of a bombshell dropped. I know you, you see the first thing we list. On the title for this show is Jabba. So I don't know if everyone's heard this news, but it was very, very shocking, very disheartening for me personally, because I think this is one of the things that I that I wanted to happen. And a lot of other people wanted to see come to be in reality a Jabba the Hutt film directed by Guillermo del Toro. It was revealed by the writer David S. Goyer, who's who's very well known. He's written for movies like The Dark Knight. He wrote uh, for Vader Immortal, the VR game for Star Wars. That is canon. He revealed on the podcast that, yeah, he did write a script with the intention of Guillermo del Toro directing. And I, I believe there were several interviews that Guillermo del Toro did where he said, if I was going to do a Star Wars project, he'd want to do a Job of the Hut project, which would be a match made in heaven, I think. And this is just another project where Guillermo del Toro was tapped to direct and he had to leave it for whatever reason. Um, the other project was The Hobbit. He was supposed to do The Hobbit. I fell in love with Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit was the next thing Peter Jackson was going to produce. Del Toro was going to direct. It was going to have all the sensibilities. and that all fell through because there was like a similar situation that was going on in New Zealand. There was some type of strike or something happening, delaying the film. And I think there was rights issues involved with between Warner Brothers, MGM. Um, and he had to leave the project. It was just taking too much time. And Del Toro is a director that's very sought after, always has a lot of projects on his plate. He, he's winning Academy Awards left and right for every project he does now, ever since... I think the shape of water people have recognized him as as one of the top people. And for me, I, I think Del Toro with his filmography has want, been one of the best and most interesting creators, directors ever since I think for me personally, Pan's Labyrinth. That is a masterpiece of a film. It's all in Spanish. But even with the Spanish, I normally don't watch Spanish films, but it's set in I think World War II Spain, there was a huge fascist regime going on. And it is rated our film, but it's just 
an incredible story. And you've probably seen memes out there with, with some of the creatures from that uh, dark fairy tale that that's Pan's Labyrinth. And it was, I saw it in the theater and I was so happy that I did that. Um, I made a, a special trip actually to San Antonio to go see it. But yeah, it's, it's just very unfortunate that it seems like we're not going to get this job of the Hutt film. And a lot of people say, well, I mean, you do a job of the Hutt film. It's like, how can you do a whole film on job of the Hutt? You don't have to concentrate on job of the Hutt. You can concentrate on all the surrounding characters, all the underworld stuff, all the stuff that they were going to highlight in the video game, 1313, uh, all the bounty hunters, all of the like grime and the grit of the star Wars underworld. It's, it's all there. It's a huge part of star Wars. You could bring in, more huts, you zero the hut, the the twins that were in Book of Boba Fett. We know pretty much nothing about them, it seems like. So to me, there there was a lot, a lot of stuff they could actually do with that film and maybe have like a series of, of underworld films. And there's a lot of fan sites and podcasts dedicated to underworld stuff in Star Wars. And I, I think it was it was really kind of a missed opportunity. So Ray, what do you think about the whole Jabba the Hutt, Guillermo del Toro. I mean, Guillermo del Toro's a great director. I mean, he's on the list of next to Kevin Smith. To me, Kevin Smith, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Um, a lot of the things they've done there. Oh, that's my opinion. But Hellboy is my favorite. Um, and yeah, they, it can be done. There was a one-shot comic um, that came out was Max Rebo one, number one. It was a one-shot, but it was basically who's in the plot to kill job of the hut that was the story i mean you could have done something like that you could do you know a number of things that could have been done you know i mean because since you know boba fett worked for him it could be depending what timeline is going on before new hope you know there's so much they could have been done and gail i can't pronounce his name correctly um willie the bull (laughs) yeah so he can the things he's worked on is he see he sees things differently and the way he brings it to screen that's what makes it so so phenomenal is that it's just the way he sees things he has a i say dark he's kind of like a uh tim burton-ish kind of right he's got his own like dark sensibility exactly yeah you know what i mean so you know and he's he's big in horror you know he likes monsters and stuff like that so it's it's a perfect realm for him um i definitely would have liked to see what he would have done it just bites like you said he's in such demand he can't wait you know for stuff to to go off get off the ground when there's other projects going on the same time frame you know what i mean so he can't just sit around and wait yeah yeah, it's just super unfortunate. There's an article actually on Bestman Bullets in here that I'm going to read some of it here. So after years of rumors uh, that famed director Guillermo del Toro worked on a mysterious Star Wars project, the writer behind the Dark Knight trilogy, David S. Goyer, has confirmed that the duo worked on an unproduced Star Wars movie. David S. Goyer, likely best known for co-writing Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy and who wrote well-known films such as The Blade trilogy, Dark City, and Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, has revealed on an episode of the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast that he wrote an unproduced Star Wars movie with acclaimed film director Guillermo del Toro. With del Toro confirming the revelation on X, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure pretty much everybody reading this article knows of the work of del Toro, but if not, 
He most recently released Academy Award-winning Pinocchio on Netflix last year. In addition to Pinocchio, Del Toro also won Academy Awards for The Shape of Water, which released in 2017. Del Toro also directed high-profile films, including Blade Two, Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, and Pacific Rim. The quote from Goyer states, I wrote an unproduced Star Wars film that Guillermo del Toro was going to direct. It was about four years ago. I also have a script meant for the origins of the Jedi, also for Star Wars that I wrote for them, aka Lucasfilm, that took place 25,000 years before the first Star Wars film, which raises another interesting little tidbit there. Who do we know 25,000 years ago that was around Hu Yang, who's a big standout for Ahsoka. So bring David Tennant for that project. Um, That would have been, I got to go, I got to do the Vader immortal thing, but dabbling in Star Wars would have been fun for me. It's unsurprising that Del Toro was involved with a Star Wars flick. It's been rumored for years, and Del Toro in 2017 even confirmed that he had spoken with Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy regarding these ideas. One of these ideas he let slip in 2015 in an interview with Yahoo Movies where he told the outlet that he had an idea for Star Wars, uh, an anthology movie that would focus on Jabba the Hutt with the crime boss enduring a Godfather saga to gain control on Tatooine. In 2018, making Star Wars reported details on on a mysterious Star Wars movie, which was in early development at Pinewood Studios London, which was unfortunately scrapped due to the commercial failure of Solo, Canceling the plans for a future Star Wars uh, story movies, including ones focusing on Obi-Wan Kenobi and Boba Fett. The movie mentioned by MSW would be set on Moss Eisley with a large focus on the movie being the spaceport that Luke Skywalker ventured to in A New Hope. In the years that followed, making Star Wars shared on various podcasts that he believed that the film was set to be directed by Del Toro. I reached out to MSW who reaffirmed that tidbit and added that he believed Alden Ehrenreich's Han Solo was to be featured with the end of Solo acting as a tease for the Moss Eisley set film. I heard about that too in the past. There's the Moss Eisley rumored film, and we talked about that on the podcast. Uh, following Goyer's reveal on Happy, Sad, Confused, Del Toro took to X to confirm the words of Goyer and tease what his unproduced Star Wars film was going to be about. The director said, can't say much, maybe two letters, J and BB. Is that three letters? Uh, given the post and tease within, it appears that Del Toro was at some point going to produce the Jabba the Hutt movie he spoke of in 2015. And with the past report from MSW, the film would have been set on Tatooine and a focus on the Mos Eisley spaceport. Which, yeah, that's that's another pretty good angle. You can go with all the uh, all the creatures and aliens all in my Moss Eisley walking around, it would have been, it would have been such a, I think a pleasure for Del Toro to work in that type of sandbox with all the creatures. Cause he's a creature guy. Um, Moss Eisley space ported location likely greatly uh, important for a character trying to seize gain uh, control on Tatooine. When Goyer was asked why the film was not produced, he simply told the podcast that there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes at Lucasfilm at the time. That stuff was likely the reshuffling of Lucasfilm's plans, which included other Star Wars story films following the commercial failure that was Solo. James Mangold, director of Logan and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, confirmed earlier this year that he was writing a Boba Fett film for Lucasfilm a handful of years ago, which we all knew and we reported on. Uh, But that the, the project was scrapped following the performance of Solo, 
Uh, this is Goyer's quote on that. It was just a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on at Lucasfilm at the time, but it's a cool script. Have you had Del Toro on the show? Uh, you'll have to ask him about the next time uh, he's on. It's a cool script. There's a cool... There's a lot of cool artwork from it uh, that was produced. Man, I would love to see that stuff. Um, it's a shame that we never got to see Del Toro, uh, Del Toro and Goyer's project, but I hope someday a version of it comes to life. Goyer mentioned in Origins of the Jedi movie that he submitted a scriptment for years ago, and we know that James Mangold is currently on board to write and direct a movie with the same premise. So perhaps there's hope for this Jabba the Hutt spaceport-centric film. So there you have it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's been so long that I forgot about the whole Moss Eisley uh, connected film. But, I mean, that's just right up Del Toro's alley, man. It's it's so It screams so much Del Toro that it's, it's, it's a little ridiculous that it didn't get made. And then Del Toro has all the trophies. He's got all the accolades. All the big-time actors want to work with him. So he could, he could have really pulled in a lot of, like, big time talent um so yeah it's just unfortunate and job of the hut he's a classic character um lucas wrote him into the new hope script and and put him in the special editions and he's one of my favorites uh, one of the one of the key parts of return of the jedi and it's just unfortunate we're not gonna get him so yep but I mean, hopefully in the future something works. I mean, who's, who's to say that we're not going to get um, this type of project in the future? Hopefully, Del Toro can be attached to it, but we'll just have to wait and see. Unfortunately, so so the next thing I think uh, we probably want to talk about here is the fact that ray and i we want to do a, a comic book series podcast for the star Wars stuff podcast channel and i think we've kind of figured out who and what line of comics what run we want to kind of maybe concentrate on first and luckily um unknowingly if you go to the app comiXology you can actually read i believe it's the first four books for the thrawn comic series run and if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can have you can read them for free. You just have to download the app and you can read that uh, four issue run. And Ray and I are going to do a podcast where we kind of go through go through each pain or maybe not each pain, but maybe like highlight what the stories are about, because I think there's a lot of people out there that listen to the podcast that, that don't know a lot about Thrawn. And of course, there's a lot of you that know a ton about Thrawn that's read everything. We think it would be cool that if we go back and kind of detail how Thrawn came to be, uh, his full name, uh, his motivations, um, the Marvel comic series that's out there. It I, I read through some of it last night, and it, it's pretty cool, especially on your phone. You think reading a, a digital comic on your phone would be like very like eye squinty in a way, but they set it up to where you can actually zoom in on each panel. And it flows very nicely. You just swipe every time and you go to each panel on, on the comic book page. So I do recommend downloading that app. If you have Amazon Prime, do it for sure. There's a lot more comics out there that you can access. And um, I think we plan on buying a few comics as well so we can review them for the, for the podcast. So 
look out for that in the future. And there's a lot of new pictures for Thrawn from Ahsoka. Here's one uh, right in the middle that's cut out in PNG form of Lars Mikkelsen as Thrawn. And you notice that his, his suit is kind of tattered and worn in a few spots. So he's he's been out there on Prydia for a while. And there was some questions when we did the immediate react. It's like, okay, so he has a crew and he has people on board that specialize in certain things. It's like, okay, so where's where's the crew? And I think one of the things that I think we failed to mention on the podcast was, okay, the night troopers that are described in the captions of the show, I think everyone's thinking those are undead stormtroopers or undead mm-hmm. beings. And they're just kind of doing the bidding of, of the night sisters of, of the uh, mother witches that are there on Pridia. And at the very end of the episode of Ahsoka, Thrawn says he he want he's in need of another of some more assistance from the Night Witches. So it's kind of like we're figuring that the first piece of assistance was reanimating that army, and it feels like almost everyone died on that Star Destroyer, other than Ezra and Thrawn, because when Ezra led him with the Purgle into super hyperspace, we all believe there's a force bubble between him and Thrawn, and so they survived. So they survived the, the deep um, vacuum that is space with no oxygen. So that's how that works. And that this is all just kind of logical guessing here on our part. But it seems like that's the case. It, was there any other theory that you heard, Ray, about how Thrawn is there and then the night troopers are existing? Because I think that's a popular theory. I think that's what you agree with, right? Yeah, I think that's what pretty much what we're thinking of. Like I said, we mentioned it in the previous podcast that we were considering that these are zombies. You know, they're pretty much resurrected troopers from, you know, the witches. So, and it seems more and more now other outlets are talking about that, that these are dead troopers that have been bought back to life, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're kind of on the right track with that. Um, it's kind of interesting. I want to see. I would actually be honest with you. I would love to see if they actually give us that opportunity where they show some type of flashback where they arrive on the planet and Ezra and him either separate or kind of show the witches reviving the troopers, whoever was on the ship that, you know, died. But I mean, we may not get it, but it would be cool to see the backstory on that. You know I mean? What happened between the two when they arrived there you know, and how long have they been there? You know, more little details like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it seems like the show hasn't been giving us that type of stuff. They really haven't really been backtracking, per se, other than showing us the whole Clone Wars action set pieces. Um, I think there's been opportunities, and they've just not done that. Yeah. Um, maybe they're reserving that for comics or books or something else um that's possible so that's true too because i mean the obi-wan comic just came out this past week number one and i was kind of curious that's going i'm kind of considering about wanting to read to see if there's any fillers of what we didn't get in the show 
in the comic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what's up, Grease Outpost out there on YouTube watching us? Uh, we actually met up with uh, Grease Outpost out at uh, AlmoCon in Church, Texas. And uh, we actually met up with a couple of Star Wars actors. Um, a couple of things in the chat here on YouTube. Late to the Party says, I don't think they'll show anything. They'll probably leave it to a book or comic. That's exactly what I just said. Uh, Grease Outpost uh, states, I was going to ask, what is the time frame from the end of Rebels to now? So, the well, I mean, that's hard to say because because in the rebels, do you wasn't mean it? at the end of the epilogue? Because <laughs> the end of the epilogue <laughs> is in the Ahsoka show. Um, when the Purgle took Thrawn and Ezra to Pridia, that was right, I think, during it was right up before New Hope, right. Because they were see they sh they showed plans of the Death Star in Star Wars Rebels, right? So Rogue One ish time period, yeah. So around that time frame, that's yeah, it, it's around that time period. So yeah, late to the par party stole my phrase there. Great minds think alike. So <laughs> yeah, speaking of that AlmoCon we went to, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I was fortunate enough, uh, General Kenobi had uh, a barbecue, and he invited Leilani Shu, who plays Tika the Jawa, and she's um, Jawas in other Star Wars shows. Um, she's, I believe she's been in Offworld Jawa, and her daughter actually plays a Jawa as well. And we were able to uh, talk a little bit about... Um, her experiences and it was it was a lot of fun she she's a very cool person very down to earth um very easy to talk to and also her manager nick nick he's he's a real cool guy um he's from california and he does make a lot of trips out here with with leilani to uh other conventions and this i think this is maybe like the third time they've been here in south texas or the texas area and uh, yeah, it was it was real cool to hang out with them. And um, she was see, I wasn't even. It's so jam packed with conventions that it totally slipped my mind that Alamo Khan was happening. And I think Ray mentioned that that was happening, and I was like, oh yeah, it, it seems like every weekend something is happening, either for that that Star Wars related or like big time film related, and. We were able to go, and it just so happened that Grease Outpost was there, and along with uh, our buddy Chris from the Five O First, and we all got to hang out and uh, be at her at her table, uh, where she actually signed my helmet, and I got the helmet right here. Actually, I'll show everyone where she signed it. So this is like the first autograph I have on this helmet. If you're watching on youtube twitter facebook there's leilani's autograph right there so she actually gave me the idea uh when we we're eating at dinner that uh, you need to take the mandalorian helmet and take it to all these cons and get it signed now, i've seen people do that before so i i just said i i might as well do it i mean i, I got the helmet um going to all these conventions and it seems like more and more 
of the Mandalorian actors are doing more and more stuff. And I've seen Brendan Wayne out there. I've seen Latif Crowder out there. Um, of course, um, Katie Sackoff, I have her signature right behind me on the book tan helmet. If you squint, you can see it um, above, above my right shoulder. And um, yeah, I did it. So I got her autograph. But also I knew that Chris Bartlett was there as well. And it was a real kind of funny interaction because um, we were talking with, with Jordan and Chris. And every time I look up, I was like, okay, there's no one at Chris's table. I don't want to interfere with other fans approaching him and him doing autographs and photo ops and stuff. So I waited. I think we waited for like two, three hours. <laughs> and then until there's like a family there. And I was like, I just got to go because we were about to leave. Um, so... I get in line and it's finally my turn and he noticed me. He noticed that I was waiting to to talk to him and he's a real cool guy. Chris is really awesome. Um, if you don't know, Chris plays just about every droid in every TV show for Star Wars. I mean, he's been um, everything from the zero droid to one Jack uh, from Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, and every protocol droid you see on screen. It's either him or he's in the group of protocol droids you see. Um, and he's Lucasfilm's pretty much go-to guy to be in the 3PO suit for all the special events. I believe he was on the Oscars, too. It wasn't Anthony Daniels in the suit. It was 3PO uh, with Chris Bartlett in the suit with R2 on stage at the Oscars. And um, he was actually on our Andor uh, pre-show that we had the live stream right before Andor dropped. And when I walked up to him, um, he asked, he asked me what I did. And I told him that about my day job. And then I said, I also have a star Wars podcast. And see, the thing about Chris is that he, he wears glasses too, but he doesn't wear them. All. I don't think he really wears them in public. So, and I wouldn't say that he would have recognized me if he had 2020 vision looking at me, but I thought it was kind of funny to, bring up the video that he was on and I handed my phone to him and I said, yeah, we had a special guest on this day for the podcast. And he looked, he's like, Oh, okay. And I was like, uh, look, look at the bottom right hand corner there. And he's like, Oh, okay. I don't know that person. And I'm like, and I'm like looking at it. I was like, did I bring up the right video? And I'm like, okay, my right, which was his left. I said, look at the left hand. And he looked closely. He was like, Oh, he's like, Oh yeah, it's me. <laughs> So yeah, then then we started talking about the podcast. And then I, I think he he mentioned several other things, and and I told him he definitely needs to come back to the superhero Comic Con and car show because I think it's going to be even bigger next year uh, around the June time frame. It's going to be four days, which uh, we're going to have the uh, owner of the show on here uh, pretty soon. And I think he just dropped a, an update if you, if you follow the superhero Comic Con car show on Facebook. Uh, there's a few new updates, but hopefully he does come back because, like I said, he's he's been a slew of different droids all throughout the Disney Plus Star Wars TV shows. And uh, he's a great guy to talk to, talks to everyone. Um, and he's, like I say, one of those actors that you want working in Star Wars because they're Star Wars fans and they understand the Star Wars fandom and they do the Comic-Cons, they travel all around. And they're they're really into it. And um, I got his autograph too. And 
I'll show, I got the helmet right here. Uh, same helmet that Leilani autographed, but uh, there's a Chris Bartlett's autograph. If I can get the light to hit properly. I don't think I can, but... So, yeah, he signed it, and, of course, he's zero, and he's basically all the droids. And, uh, of course, I really love Zero uh, from The Mandalorian Season 1. And he asked me if he wanted a doodle on it, and I'm like, yeah, for sure. Because I had seen, he had something like coasters or something next to him with the doodles that he does, kind of like what Filoni does. And I was like, yeah, for sure. And he drew that. And I was like, oh, man, that came out great. So I was super hyped for that. And, of course, Chris is on Instagram, uh, at Chris Bartlett, or actually at Chris F. Bartlett. And uh, once you see his profile, you can, uh, I think you can kind of see that it's, uh, he's, he's acting in Star Wars, so. Aside from that, um, I looked around. So Ray and I were there together. So I was like, where's Ray at? And <laughs> he was talking to, to a husband and wife. And um, it felt like they either recognized him or recognized us. And so when uh, I was done talking with Chris, uh, we walked or I walked over and Ray had this like stunned look on his face and he was like, let me introduce you to Matt and Enga. And I was like, uh, okay. And he's like, yeah, they, they own the pizza places in San Antonio that, um, they're huge star Wars fans. And, uh, it's a pizza place that caught Ray's eye and, it turned out they were huge Star Wars fans. And they're they're such huge Star Wars fans that when they employ people at their pizzerias, you have to pass a Star Wars quiz to get employed. That's how big a Star Wars fans they are. And we started talking, and it's like, yeah, we totally need to do something on the podcast. Maybe do like a commercial for you guys. Uh, work with you guys some way, somehow. And they said that they actually have had podcasts go into their place and do live podcasts. So you might see us at a, a Matangas in San Antonio. I believe there's six total locations. There's one in New Braunfels, which is a city closer to my city. And um, they said, yeah, dinner's on us. So we went to go eat there. So the big thing for me is when we do sponsorships and we uh, talk about like products and stuff on the, on the show. I really want to like, or use the thing that I'm kind of like telling you guys that you should maybe try out. And we went there and then it's, it's all kind of Italian based. Um, uh, that's the theme. And you go in there and um, it's, it's, it's a very unique menu. Uh, they have specialty pizzas there. And we asked, what do you recommend to the person at the counter? And she said, well, uh, it's something called the Big Mac. And at first I thought I heard Big Mac. And I was like, okay, you got a Big Mac pizza? And she's like, pretty much it's a Big Mac. So we order that. We also order the uh, brisket pizza, which I've kind of tried before barbecue sauce on pizzas. Kind of, um, it it kind of makes you pause but it, it does taste good it's it's usually something that's actually decent and um yeah we tried that big matt pizza named after the owner and it was delicious man it 
it messes with your brain because your brain thinks you're eating a Big Mac, but you're eating a piece of pizza. And Ray can also attest to this. It was it was special. It was delicious. And we had um, the general manager, Daryl, come out. He said he was a huge sci-fi fantasy fan. And he said, I'm trying to remember exactly. Um, he said his wife, whose name Kira, which is a Star Wars name. And I was thinking, did you hire her because of the name? <laughs> But uh, she was really cool, too. She talked to us, and she talked about how uh, she designed that pizza, uh, especially for the store. And it was it was terrific. And the other things I noticed about the store was that there's TVs all around, uh, which is a big plus. And uh, they actually serve Big Red from the fountain. That's another, like, a rare thing. And I know most of the people listening have no idea what Big Red soda is. <laughs> big Red is, like, the for for, like... A Mexican Big Red is the most tastiest thing, <laughs> tastiest drink, it seems like, because that's like the popular drink to eat with tacos down here in the South. And uh, it's been a, it, it's a story drink uh, for us down down South. And it, it's kind of rare that you find it on, uh, on the fountain. But they also have beer on tap, alcohol on tap. Um, and the pizza was great. And we definitely want to work with them in the future. And uh, I think we are. We just got to figure out the details of what they want to do. And um, I think that's something to look forward to. So, Ray, you got anything to add to that? No, man. Like I said, I agree with you as well. The pizza, I have never eaten a pizza like that before. I've never had a brisket pizza or the Big Mac pizza. I was kind of like, you know, you know, other restaurant or I say food pizza chains try different things like that but this one it's so good that like i couldn't just have i i was like i loved it they had the tomato on it had everything on it and i really loved that pizza like i told my wife if i had saw pizza or someone else have it i probably wouldn't order it because it's like uh eh. but just this one alone and, and then the brisket pizza two combined and then of course the dessert i forgot what it was called the the dessert that we got as well that was also good as well yeah they um, called it like it sounded like he was saying like zeppelins like led zeppelin yeah it was like uh it's kind of like a i'll say a powdered donut but it was a powdered yeah, it was uh, almost like pizza a pizza dough. crust yeah. yeah but you could dip it in chocolate and <laughs> that was good as well yeah. um but like I said, yeah, I mean, definitely getting, hopefully we can work with these people because the love for Star Wars that they have and what we have and what they want to do for San Antonio and what I really want as well is that, you know, one thing about us in San Antonio, we always get overlooked for Austin, Dallas, and Houston. And all we're noticed for is just because the Alamo and the Riverwalk. But we're never really noticed for anything else other than, of course, in the Spurs. But that's it. We're not the capital of Texas, but yet Texas was founded here in San Antonio. And the capital of Texas is in Austin. Makes no sense. Um, but San Antonio and the Alamo is what made Texas. You know what I mean? But at the same time, they want to put San Antonio on the map as well. 
And that's what they want to do with their pizza. They want to bring it to, um, for people who are not from Texas or whatever, when they come into town, they want them to come to San Antonio to try their pizzas. And I agree with them. I'm right there with them. Same thing with me. You know, everything that I've done, projects that I have worked on was to put San Antonio on the map. And, you know, me doing the Tim Duncan on the Punisher cover, that was pretty much when I worked at Heroes and Fantasies, my goal was to make Heroes and Fantasies like Midtown Comics. Because if you talk about comics in New York, first thing that comes to your mind is Midtown Comics, because that's the big comic book store in in New York. So that's kind of what I wanted to do with, you know, when I worked at Heroes, to make San Antonio and Heroes and Fantasies the big comic book store. Um, So everything I did was big. And that's what I want to do still. And that's what, you know, working with David in Star Wars, the podcast, that's our goal. We want San Antonio to get noticed and we want to do cool things for San Antonio. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think uh, Tim Seitz is out there on Facebook uh, and he typed the official name for it. It's They said it was Italian Donuts and that's kind of Okay, okay, there you is. go, yeah. So, yeah. And uh, Grease Outpost says Big Red and Barbacoa. Yeah, that's like the best <laughs> thing ever. Um. So yeah, if you ever come down to South Texas or the San Antonio area, because was it them or someone else where I was explaining? Oh, it was Nick. It was uh, Leilani's manager. I said, the tacos here are the best, and the further north you go up, they degrade in quality, essentially. So Yeah, taco. <laughs> yeah. And, and Better we, than Austin. We, yeah, we, we shared our love for barbecue, and I love the chain Rudy's. It's, to me, that's the best barbecue. I, I don't think anything beats it. But uh, there's all different opinions for like blacks and other mom and pop places. But uh, um, yeah, I wanted to get to uh, some of these uh, chat questions here. Uh, uh, Tamirakwe Onyabuchi asks, uh, what's your favorite Texas con? Uh, I think we're really biased. (laughs) For me, it's the superhero comic con and car show. Um, For the simple fact that it's a massive convention now. It, then they bring in big names and people fly around from all around the world to come here to my backyard, essentially. And it's emotional every time for me because these these big time names come here. It's, it's to our big little city in San Antonio, in our area. And there's, I mean, it's it feels like a mini... I've never been to San Diego Comic-Con, but it feels like it would be something akin to like a mini San Diego Comic-Con type of event. There's a big arena uh, walking distance where they have like the bigger panels. And then this year, this past year, we had the Katie Sackhoff panel and the Ming-Na Wen panel just feet away from our booth. And we got to um, talk to them behind the scenes, behind the curtain. And of course, Ted from Countdown City was the moderator on the panels. And uh, we know Bob, uh, who owns the show, and he's been on the show, and he's he's very nice. Um, he tells us things that um, that are confidential, and I I you know me, I, I love all the behind the scenes stuff, and um, we just have a great relationship with them, and um, like I referenced earlier on uh, the Facebook updates for Superhero Comic-Con Car Show, they're saying this next show in 2024 is going to be bigger than 2023. So 2023 show 
had Andrew Garfield, Elizabeth Olsen, Katie Sackhoff, Ming-Na Wen, uh, Kit Harrington, Amelia Clark. Um, I'm missing a lot of people. There's a lot of people that went. In the previous year, they had Ewan McGregor. Uh, they had Rupert Friend, uh, who I met again, uh, of Dave Batista. And they're in partnership with Ace. And I think if you've you've probably seen some of the panels and some of the pictures on youtube and when you google pictures with people taking these photo ops you see the word ace behind them and they're in partnership now with that company and um so yeah it's it's big time um and like i said it's it's really emotional for me to not have to fly anywhere to not have to fly across the ocean to go do this thing i can stay at my own house and just drive there every morning and uh it's it's such a great experience. It's it's like Christmas morning as a kid, you know, and um, it's fantastic. It's it's so great. And next year's show is going to be even bigger. So, um, oh, uh, Tremerquay says he went to the University of Incarnate Word. Shout out to San Antonio. Nice. Uh, my daughter is actually trying to go there for nursing. So, it's a uh, it's it's pretty cool campus. I like it. It's it's right there off of two eighty one. Kind of close to the zoo. Um, so, yeah. So, the next thing I think we want to talk about here is uh, Taika Waititi. So, Taika, we talked about him on the previous show about how he hadn't written any scripts. Um, but now it's come to light that he has written scripts and he's turned in some stuff. So there's an article on bestofbulletin.com uh, about uh, the new developments here on Taika. Um, and it states, as rumors swirled on social media in regards to the status of the in-development Star Wars movie from director and writer Taika Waititi, a reliable source has now confirmed its situation. Over the weekend, X, formerly Twitter, was abuzz with unfounded rumors that Taika Waititi's untitled Star Wars movie had been canceled at Lucasfilm and Disney. Various social media accounts who claim to be people in the know uh, they'll get a whole heck of a lot wrong. Started claiming that YT Star Wars uh, flick was dead, which I never thought. Um, those rumors to me were not legit. Uh, at Lucasfilm, and were using a quote from the filmmaker from TIFF as evidence of its demise. It essentially came across as fan math, which is an interesting phrase I'll probably use in the future, and in some cases, wishful thinking. Uh, though we did our part here at the website, making the headline that. Taika Waititi making a joke in regards to a Star Wars script and emphasized within the article that the Jojo Rabbit director was joking along with adding visual context. Most people online will unfortunately see an out-of-context quote from somebody with vastly more followers than I and unfortunately start to believe an untrue and unfair narrative being created. I always tell my readers and listeners to check track records of those making a claim or report. That's what I say, too. And that's why I read articles from Bestman Bulletin, because they're very reliable. They, This website is on top of it. That's why I read articles from this website. But I'll say the caveat. They do drop a lot of spoilery things that do come to pass. So be careful. Um, here we only cover those we considered reputable and outlets or individuals with a proven and reliable track record. So if you don't see it being covered on Bestman Bulletin, it's because we likely don't believe the claim or that the individual or outlet does not have a proven track record, which brings me to today's information, which comes from a reputable individual. 
Yesterday, journalist and insider Jeff Snyder took to his podcast, The Hot Mic, alongside his co-host, John Roca, to discuss a bevy of topics, one of which being the rumors of Waititi's Star Wars project being canceled. Snyder brought up the topic and shared what he had been hearing from his sources. Snyder revealed that he's heard that the What We Do in the Shadows creator had turned in multiple drafts of the Star Wars script to Lucasfilm and that other writers had also worked on the project, but that once the Writers Guild of America strike has concluded, YTD will submit another draft of the script. You can read a Snyder's quote below. A Snyder says, it's not dead. Taika has turned to multiple drafts at this point, and the writers as well have touched it. Taika owes them, Lucasfilm, another draft after the WGA strike is over. And I think there's reports that the strike is over for the writers, but not the actors. I don't know. I really haven't seen much. I don't know in chat if you can verify that. Uh, given that Waititi has been working on his Star Wars script for over three years, it's not surprising to hear that the Thor Love and Thunder director has submitted multiple scripts to Lucasfilm. We've even speculated as such before during Taika's announcement in May 2020 was revealed that Christy Wilson Cairns, who wrote the films 1917, Last Night in Soho, and The Good Nurse, was set to co-write the effort with Waititi. Wilson Cairns, in the fall of last year, mentioned that she and Waititi were still working on the script. However, in April of this year, the Lucasfilm president, Kathleen Kennedy, seemingly revealed that Taika was now writing the film alone. Wilson Cairns is the only writer outside of Taika. Um, only, the only writer outside of Taika that has been revealed to have worked on the project that was seemingly still on the project around a year ago. The last we heard of Taika's Star Wars film was in May, when the director told The Hollywood Reporter that he, was a really, that he has a really good idea for the flick. The director added that he was currently struggling to crack the middle section of the script and joked that he couldn't let his characters just meet a smuggler with an alien sidekick. Those comments uh, from Maititi followed some made by Kathleen Kennedy the month before at Star Wars Celebration, where the Lucasfilm president revealed that Taika was a slow writer and that his script needed a third act. <laughs> Waititi has been at the Toronto Film Festival, which is TIFF, uh, since last week, where he debuted his next directorial effort, The Next Goal Wins, uh, which unfortunately was received with mixed reviews. Next Goal Wins, at the time of writing, holds a mere 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, the lowest score of Waititi's career. Personally, I was hoping that while Waititi was at the event, he might do some press and share an update, however brief, on his Star Wars movie. However, that now seems unlikely. Perhaps we'll get an update from the director in the November uh, time frame when promotion for the next goal wins begins. So there you have it. There's the update from Taika. What do you think about all that, Ray? I mean, I kind of see because him putting the story together, it takes time and you get to put your first act, you know, the second act. And then if you're not really have a structure where you're building around, if you're having to do the pitch as well to um, Disney or Kennedy, you know what I mean? It's, so it's kind of hard to see what they want. So you got to throw it to them, see what they think. Then they tell you, okay, we kind of like this. We don't like that. Can you go back and change it? So you're constantly going back and forth, which is that's the downfall, I think, because if they had more of an idea, more of a structure, what they wanted to do, I think it would have been a lot more easier for Taika, but since it's kind of up in the air, I think that's also what's the factor of what's taking long as well. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you can't compare the movie that he directed in this film festival to that. It may have been something that he wrote that he had in his mind to do independently for himself. So you can't compare that to working with a toy chest. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's two different things. So, uh, yeah, Jorge just missed uh, the the reading there. He says, uh, I miss it. Oh, my God. Could you have a quick summary? So what I just uh, talked about basically was Taika, uh, his tongue-in-cheek joke at TIFF uh, saying that he hadn't written a script yet. Uh, apparently, is not really true. Uh, Jeff Snyder has sources say that he wrote several uh, versions of a script for uh, his Star Wars film that he wants to do. And um, once the writer's strike is over, which it might be, I'm not sure. I, I, they're I in saw, talks. No, they're in talks still. They're still in talks. Okay. They're, like, they're, so they're getting close. Yes, they're somewhat getting close because okay. Disney and, and the higher up uh, places are like, they're finally saying, okay, let's talk. And that's where they're at right now. There's no official, you know, where they're going, but they're talking somewhat now. Yeah, so essentially Taika has worked on a Star Wars film. He's written it. He's going through the draft process. Once the writer strike is over, he's going to submit another draft and uh, just pretty much go from there. So it looks like it's still a go. Any rumors that you heard of that film just being canceled, shelved, whatever, are not true. Taika's film is going to happen. So That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like his mindset. He's a little bit different. Same thing. He thinks outside the box. He's not afraid to try new things. You know what I mean? So I'm not I'm not too, too crazy worried. Yeah, Noah from YouTube says, what kind of work do you think uh, Taika will turn in? It feels like he's been coasting after the success of Ragnarok. Um, Taika got a lot of acclaim from Ragnarok. Um, and whatever you think of Thor, Love, and Thunder, it's, it's not... It's not a bad film. It's it's more kind of Taika's extreme sensibilities and niche that he created that film. It's it's basically a film told by a secondary character, and it's a character he plays in Korg. So you can look at it that way. So he's he tried to change it up, but Taika still has those has that Academy Award for Jojo Rabbit for writing. So there's that. But uh, Taika's still a big name. Um, I have the same feeling that I had for Ryan Johnson's announced trilogy. Do something that's totally different, that doesn't involve beloved characters. And I think Tyke is doing something along those lines. If it is like in the mainline canon, it's it's going to be tough for other creators to come in and pull in those same characters. And if Tyke is gone, Tyke to me is not a Star Wars lifer. He's kind of in it for a while and he'll probably be gone forever after he does this thing unless it's a raging success then he'll maybe do a trilogy possibly or do a tv show we all know he was ig 11 in the mandalorian he did the voice and his his stardom has rocketed um to the top tier of directors and talent in hollywood so I don't know if he has the same motivations as he did before he was mega famous. Um, and I think all he really wanted to do was work on Star Wars stuff. And he did this whole kind of joke parody thing about wishing that he was born uh, as an Abrams, as in J.J. Abrams' brother. And it was it was quite funny. But now, I mean, he's arguably just as famous now. So he can pretty much do anything he wants. And uh, we all know a lot of these big time directors don't want to touch Star Wars. 
And it seems like it's due to the fan backlash that they'll possibly get. <laughs> Comes and with they it. don't want them. They don't want that to affect their their future filmography or their ego or reputation, whatever have you. So yeah, that's that's kind of the the sticking point with that. Uh, the Facebook user, I think this is Tim, uh, says uh, Taika did an excellent job with the show Reservation Dogs as well. Yeah, that's um, a good show. Yeah, I, I love I love the commercials with with the uh, Native American on the horse when he does his <laughs> yells, and he says, "I was in the battle of was it like Little Bighorn or something," yeah. and he goes, "I didn't fight. Uh, my horse just uh, stepped in a gopher hole, uh, and I fell and died before I got into battle." That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good show. I like it. So, uh, Tamir K on YouTube asked the. Uh, the question that's on everyone's mind about the Taika film. Do you think he's going to put himself in the movie as a character <laughs> in the Star Wars film? Um, yes, I, I think there's yes. a good shot. I, If I was Taika, I would do it. I would oh, totally dude, me do too. it. I would definitely. And I think the next, the follow-up question to that is, will he have a Kiwi accent like Korg does? I mean, very soft-spoken. <laughs> I mean, people are going to say, no, you're just doing Korg all over again, which... I don't think I would mind if it was hilarious. It was if it was funny. If it worked story wise, I totally would be down for it. So, okay, I'm just throwing it out there. What if he brings back a character of Jar Jar species, and is is that new Jar that new character from his species? Bring He's not Jar Jar, but I think the Gungans I mean? are gonna go, are going to return. It's just so? a matter of when and where. I can see that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, I I think we're all curious to see what he turns in and what that film turns out to be. It could be totally wacky, totally goofy. But see, I think Taika's talented enough to where he could go to extreme goofy on that spectrum, but also have a coherent film. I, I, and, I, I agree with that. And it would be so interesting to see if it just got really, really strange and weird. And, of course, Ahsoka kind of broke the glass on going to different galaxies now. And now that's going to be acceptable because there might be a certain group of fans saying, well, he went to a different galaxy. He cheated or something along those lines. I can totally see that. <laughs> but there's other galaxies out there, guys. It's a big universe we live in. There's probably multiple bubble universes out there, too. I mean, we don't even know the truth of that yet for our own reality. So that's a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> Grease Outpost says, uh, do Korg. Now it's canon in Star Wars as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think about the Patton Oswalt, um, his uh, filibuster uh, speech that he does about merging Marvel with Disney. It's like, yeah, that, that, I don't know, that would be too strange and too weird and too complicated it would just break canon completely but if there was a rock species out there i could see it and maybe i mean if taika turned in something where it's essentially korg would kathleen kennedy green light that and say okay this is fine or would she be like or maybe she, she never watched the marvel films and has no idea but of course, her assistants would probably give her notes and say, like, well, this is basically that Marvel character. And then she would probably have a meeting with, with Taika with two weeks left to go and 
principal photography, like in solo, but um Jorge uh, Hernandez Gonzalez on YouTube says, I would love to see a movie about Naboo. There's been talks, there's been rumblings about Naboo being featured. There's the big rumor for Mando season three that Naboo, something Naboo-esque, which what we got with the N1 Starfighter, was involved. But there was a rumor that they took a trip to Naboo. And of course, you have Keller and Beck flying in that uh, silver spaceship there. And uh, we're not quite sure if he went to uh, Naboo or some other place. All he said was he had friends that could help, and uh, he got on his friend's starship there. So true. So Grease Outpost says uh, on YouTube, just like ET. So the ET thing was like <laughs> a little Easter egg in the Senate. It wasn't like a big mainline character that you're going to see that has speaking, uh, that has lines, and and actually really directly affect the story, but. Uh, Tamir K says on YouTube, there is a rock species in the Higher Republic books. I believe in the Obi-Wan graphic novel, now that I come to think of it. Um, I'm trying to remember back to We actually did a podcast on that. And Yoda was involved. I believe worked with the rock species as well. Unless I'm just crossing wires here. But, yeah. Uh, the next thing we definitely do want to talk about are is uh, Hasbro Pulse. Um, there was a big... Hasbro PulseCon. Ray, if you want to bring up all the images here as I talk about them. Um, this article is from Star Wars Newsnet. And it's titled, Hasbro PulseCon 2023 brings new Star Wars products, including Black Series figures for Balin Skull and Shin Hati and Sabine's lightsaber. So this past Friday, Hasbro hosted this year's PulseCon this week, where they announced a bunch of new products coming in their primary Star Wars line. Uh, they include Ahsoka tie-ins like Sabine's Force FX Elite lightsaber, Black Series figures for Balin Skull and Shin Hati, a clone Captain Rex premium electronic helmet, and vintage collection figures for Chopper and Huyang, which I think I'm going to buy that figure for sure. And probably the <laughs> Chopper, because Huyang is, to me, the standout of Ahsoka, and David Tennant is just doing a fantastic job. Oh, yeah. So elsewhere, they also revealed a uh, new vintage collection figures for Orson Krennic in a two pack with HK 47 and Jedi Knight Revan. And this was a weird one here. This caught me off guard. I was like, did I hear that right? But they also released non US Hasbro figures to purchase uh, for the Imperial Stormtrooper, Luke Skywalker, Bo Katan Kreese, and Darth Vader from the Black Series Archive Collection. It's like, why don't they just make them available to us in the U.S.? I don't understand that. I guess they want to create a scarcity there and, and make them um, more uh, valuable for collectors. Uh, so this first one here is on Starkiller. Uh, this first article. Uh, Star Wars, the Black Series, Starkiller, and Troopers. Uh, Frey, I'm reading the article here. And there it is on the screen. Uh, this premium six-inch Star Wars, uh, the Black Series, Starkiller, and, St and Troopers three-pack is inspired by the characters from the Star Wars The Force Unleashed video game, as we all know and some of us love. Uh, during the quest to hunt and destroy Jedi, Starkiller allies himself uh, with some unlikely heroes and makes decisions that will alter his destiny and shape the future of the galaxy. These fully articulated figures feature premium detail and multiple points of articulation in their collection. The plaque, 
Uh, the pack includes three figures and 16 entertainment-inspired accessories, including Force FX and two Blaster accessories. Uh, they're available exclusively for pre-order as part of Hasbro PulseCon for $110.99. So that is quite a bit. Um, I don't think I'm going to pick this up. I think General Kenobi said he already pre-ordered this set. So look for that behind him in, uh, in his future streams. So the next thing that I am definitely very interested in is the Black Series Sabine Ren Force FX Elite Electronic Lightsaber. The article states this premium lightsaber features design and deco based on Sabine Wren's lightsaber featured in Star Wars Ahsoka. This green-bladed lightsaber calls back to Ezra Bridger's saber that Sabine held for safekeeping in Star Wars Rebels. With advanced LEDs and entertainment-inspired sound effects, the Sabine Ren Force FX Elite electronic lightsaber is the most realistic Star Wars Force FX lightsaber yet. The switch and button on the hilt activate sound effects, progressive ignition, battle clash effect, wall cutting effect, blaster deflect, dual effect, and battle sequence mode. The lightsaber comes with an included stand with or without the removable blade, and you may use the included barrel plug when the blade is not in use. It's available for pre-order uh, two days ago at 5 p.m. Eastern, has a pulse. Amazon, GameStop, and other major retailers for $278.99. It'll be available this fall. of uh, Actually, available in the fall of 2024, so next year, not even this year. So, it's a great-looking saber. Um, I know Kenobi was mentioning the thickness of the hilt, which might be a deal-breaker for some, but... I really love this saber. I've already started buying these Black Series sabers. I have the the Dark Saber um, actually right behind me, right behind my shoulder, like right there. Well, right I like there. how they changed the stands. Yeah. Yeah, the stands are pretty cool. They have kind of like the Imperial window design there. So, And on to the big one for me personally, the Black Series Clone Captain Rex Premium Electronic Helmet. Imagine donning clone Captain Rex's signature white and blue clone trooper helmet etched with tally marks on its side. Star Wars fans and collectors can imagine scenes from the biggest battles and missions in the Star Wars galaxy with this premium roleplay. Clone Captain Rex premium electronic helmet inspired by Rex's clone helmet featured in the Star Wars Ahsoka live action series. Flip the rangefinder up and down to hear series inspired sound effects and press the left side button to distort your voice. Requires three AAA batteries, not included. Available for pre-order now. Hasbro Pulse, Amazon, GameStop, and other major retailers. I believe Entertainment Earth as well. For $131.99, it comes out next spring. So a little earlier than the Sabine lightsaber. So that's one, of course, you figure. I mean, you look at all the helmets behind me, I'm probably going to get. So you'll see that on my shelf at some point next year. Um, now, the one that... I'm kind of disappointed with here. Uh, the six-inch Black Series Balan Skull figure inspired by the character's appearance in Star Wars Ahsoka features premium detail and multiple points of articulation. It comes with an entertainment-inspired accessory. It will be available for pre-order now. Hasbro Pulse, Amazon, GameStop for $24.99. This figure actually looks pretty good. Um, I think they did Ray Stevenson justice here with Balan Skull's Black Series figure. The other figure, though, the Shin Hati one, um, 
the face there's something off with the with the scan of the face i know these days they take the actors they scan them completely their face their facial features their body in in the suits and this is what we get even the picture is a little off for me um i don't know what it is i don't know if it's eyes or what exactly it's but the eyes it's the yeah eyes. probably probably and the eyes are probably too small uh this six inch black series shin hati Figure inspired by the characters' appearance in Star Wars Ahsoka features premium detail and multiple points of articulation. It comes with an entertainment-inspired accessory available for pre-order now. Has Repulse, Amazon GameStop, and other major retailers for $24.99. Comes out in the winter of 2024. So, The next one is Chopper. Uh, it's a 3.75-inch uh, vintage collection and the HK87 uh, actually, HK87 Chopper C1-10P figure, inspired by the Star Wars action, uh, live-action Ahsoka series, features premium detail and design across product and packaging, inspired by the original Kenner line, as well as entertainment-inspired collector-grade deco. It includes figure and two entertainment-inspired ex- accessories, including a fight or a flight stand. It's available now for pre-order. Hasbro Pulse, Amazon, GameStop, other major retailers for $16.99. So it's a little bit cheaper there. Now the figure that yeah, I definitely need to get. Um it's Hu Yang, an ancient droid, but still quick of mind. Hu Yang oversaw the construction of lightsabers and the Jedi Order for centuries. This 3.75 inch figure, a vintage collection, Professor Hu Yang, inspired by Star Wars Ahsoka, features premium detail and design across product and packaging inspired by the original Kenner line, as well as entertainment-inspired collector great deco. It includes figure. And three entertainment-inspired accessories, including a data pad. So Professor Hu Yang is always ready for research and discovery. Available for pre-order now. Has Repulse, Amazon, GameStop, other major retailers for $16.99. Comes out this spring, 2024. And everyone's favorite uh, director from Rogue One, cruel but brilliant director Krennic, has staked his reputation on the completion the long-delayed Death Star project uh, for the Emperor, this 3.75-inch scale Star Wars figure. The Vintage Collection, director Orson Krennic, inspired by Rogue One, a Star Wars story, features premium detail and design across project packaging, inspired by the original Kenner line, as well as the entertainment-inspired collector Great Deco, includes figure and blaster accessory, available for pre-order now, has Repulse, Amazon, GameStop, and other major retailers, sixteen ninety nine, and it comes out the fall of twenty twenty three. So you can get it here pretty soon. Uh, the next one is the Hunter Killer Droid from the Old Republic era, HK forty seven, who has a big following, is beloved, uh, is a deadly assassin with a dark sense of humor. The journey from dark side back to the light is complete as a legendary Revan finds redemption as white robe Jedi Knight. This 3.75-inch Star Wars The Vintage Collection HK-47 and Jedi Revan 2-pack inspired by the Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes video game feature premium detail and design across product and packaging inspired by the original Kenner line as well as the entertainment-inspired collector Great Deco includes two figures and two entertainment-inspired accessories available for pre-order now. Hasbro Pulse, GameStop, and additional fan channel retailers for $39.99. Interesting they didn't mention Amazon. Uh, the next one is the Black Series Imperial Stormtrooper. 
Fans will not have the chance to collect the previously released Star Wars The Black Series Imperial Stormtrooper figure returning and archive collection window box packaging. The six-inch fully articulated figure features premium detail and multiple points of articulation. It includes figure and an entertainment-inspired accessory available at Hasbro Pulse in international markets. So if you live in the U.S., you can't get this. Major retailers in Canada and the EU and additional fan channel retailers in Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore, and Taiwan for $24.99. The next one is Luke Skywalker. Uh, fans will now have the chance to collect this previously released Star Wars, the Black Series Luke figure. Uh, returning an archive collection window box packaging, the six-inch fully articulated figure features premium detail and multiple points of articulation. It includes figure, a blaster, and a helmet. Available at Hasbro Pulse in international markets, not for U.S., major retailers in Canada and the EU, and additional fan channel retailers in Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore, and Taiwan for $24.99. Next up, we have the Black Series Darth Vader. Fans will now have the chance to collect the previously released Star Wars, the Black Series Darth Vader figure returning in archive collection window box packaging. The six-inch fully articulated figure features premium detail and multiple points of articulation, includes figure and lightsaber accessory. Available at Hasbro Pulse and international markets, major retailers in Canada and the EU, and additional fan channel retailers in Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore, and Taiwan for $24.99. And the last but not least, of course, is one of my favorite characters, Bo-Katan Kreese. Uh, fans will now have the chance to collect the previously released Star Wars The Black Series. Bo-Katan Kreese figure returning in archive collection window box packaging. The six-inch fully articulated figure features premium detail and multiple points of articulation. Figures uh, include figure the, and four entertainment-inspired accessories available at Hasbro Pulse in international markets, major retailers in Canada. The, and the and additional fan channel retailers in Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore, and Taiwan for $24.99. So those are the big highlights uh, for PulseCon. What do you think about uh, these releases, Ray? I mean, they're nice. I mean, who hang? You hang, definitely for sure. You know, gotta get that character chopper for sure. I mean, I'm, I can't wait to see what other toy line, you know, they're coming out with. The cool thing is, you know, Kenobi and I interviewed one of the people who worked on the figures previous before. Um, and I'm kind of curious if she's working on any new figures for Hasbro. Um, you can go to General Kenobi's bunker and the interview that we had with Sarah. And that was pretty cool talking to her about working on the Hasbro toys and stuff like that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm just looking through the chat here. Some pretty good stuff out here. Uh, Jamerica says, uh, Hu Yang, take my money. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love that character now uh, with David Tennant giving it so much nuance. Um, Legacy of Nerd uh, says, uh, Expert tip, Hasbro has an eBay store where most of their expensive stuff is discounted. So I guess go out to that. Check that out. Um, and Grease Outpost says, uh, at Legacy Nerd, your assistance has not gone unnoticed, but stop. Lots of laughs. Can't afford to know where there are discounts. Yeah, I know. It, it's kind of tough. Um, 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that got announced. I I really I really love the Sabine Saber. Um, and it's interesting they're calling it the Sabine Saber. I think we're totally expecting an Ahsoka for her to hand over the Saber to Ezra and for Ezra to just do his thing. But I mean it it's kinda like the same thing with the with the Ray Skywalker uh legacy saber that they did. But of course that saber was a little different because it had the like the leather wrapping in the middle of it. But yeah, the saber, the Rex helmet, I mean, look at that. I mean that just screams in the back of David Shot and on the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, totally. Yeah, so so many people are just overjoyed overjoyed by Rex showing up. I know Hunter Smoke especially because he cosplays as Rex. So yeah, lots of stuff coming out. Um, looking at the chat here, um, yeah. So this Facebook user, I think it might be Tim. Uh, I want the Balin Skull Saber. I think we all want the Balin Skull Saber. Uh, it's a pretty mean looking lightsaber, and. They had it on display at San Diego Comic-Con this year, and we had no no context as of yet, but I think after that, after Ray Stevens' performance as Balin Skull, his lightsaber duel with Ahsoka, and beating Ahsoka, and it's an orange blade as well, um, I think it'd be pretty cool if, if Hasbro Pulse creates that saber. And I don't know. You might want to do a... Um, the name escapes you now. Why is it escaping me? Uh, a crowdfund for HasLab uh, for maybe Balin and Shin Sabres together in a package. I think that'd be... Oh, that would be nice. And it's still yet to be seen if Shin Saber is actually Kanan Saber kind of repurposed because it looks a lot like Kanan Saber. So True. So yeah, Grease Outpost says, yeah, David's room tour. Yeah, so that's going to be on Patreon. <laughs> so... Yeah, you got to join our Patreon for that one, for uh, behind the scenes there. But yeah, I just want to say thank you uh, to to Leilani and Chris Bartlett, especially uh, two awesome people. Uh, I can't say enough. Hopefully, I'm going to try and talk to Bob and see if they he can schedule them to come for. There's a picture right there, right there. Um, there's there's um, Jordan with me with Chris from Five Hundred First, obviously. And Leilani in front of us, and then there's Ray to the side. And yeah, it was awesome. And I had no idea you knew Chris Ray. It was such a <laughs> shock. But then again, I mean, you do so much, and Chris does so much. So it's really not a shock. No, Chris is a cool guy. Definitely. You know what I mean? When I met him first time, it was right when um, Force Awakens was coming out. Yeah. And he had worked on the the new First Order Troopers uh suit yeah yeah for and i believe he was on stage right for the for the panel yeah that very first the force awakens panel 2015 anaheim yeah yeah that was that was incredible it's a small Um, world man small world yeah so we do of course want to get leilani and chris back on the podcast um we have i did an interview with leilani i believe it's on patreon and chris was a part of the andor pre-show we did but of course, once this actor strike is over, we want to have them back on the podcast and probably talk to them more at length. And um, they're two actors that are heavily involved in the future of Star Wars, so they really can't say a whole lot. 
of course, once the actor strike is over, because they're constantly appearing in all the new shows, they're the go-to people for the Jawas and the protocol droids. So um, really cool people, really awesome. It's it's so great. And I told Chris, I said, if I could just tap the shoulder of my 12-year-old self and just whisper, hey, you're going to beat all these Star Wars celebrities and Star Wars will actually be happening in live action i wouldn't believe myself <laughs> i wouldn't believe my future self and uh just the fact that we get to now we're able to meet these people over the internet and in person that's just the wonderful thing about star wars but i agree with you 100 percent, man yeah i never pictured myself poor little kid from the south side of san antonio being able to do the things that i'm doing currently and making things happen like i've done i never would have pictured it yeah it's an incredible thing man um so just telling all of our listeners out there i know we have a bunch of new people listening due to the popularity of ahsoka if if you have a passion go for it whatever you want to do do your passion because ray and i are doing it right now and ray is constantly telling me can you believe this what are the odds what are the odds of this and I'm just trying to like reconcile all of it. And I'm like, well, I think the odds are good. And then someone comes up to it. Someone comes up to us and say, what are the odds of this happening? And I'm like, okay, Ray, you're right. Whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a wild time for us personally. And I always think, man, I was born too early, man. Cause all you young people out there have all these opportunities that I wish I had when I was younger. Yeah. Um, so Grease Outpost uh, on YouTube says, I will say this with the actor's strike, limiting what they can, can't talk about. It opened us up to learn more about these awesome people outside of Star Wars. Yeah, it certainly did. I agree with that too, man. That's true. When I spoke with Chris Bartlett, um, he said that he's really into uh, car restoration. And he drives a car that he fell in love with from the Stephen King novel, Christine. So, Oh, nice. He said that that's his day driver. He drives that every day. <laughs> so he's driving the Christine car back where he lives in Cali. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's really awesome. And Chris also did recommend a few other people to get on the podcast. And he mentioned that some of these people share the same agent. So it, it's probably not going to be as hard as it was before to have them on the podcast. So we have tons of people lined up to be on the podcast, guys. So once this actor strike is over, you're going to see a flood of actors and people that are in Hollywood that we're going to speak with. And um, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to meet. So I'm going to meet. Ray's going to meet. We're all going to meet all these people on the podcast. And we've been to all these conventions and. No one said no about coming on the podcast. So, and we have the contact information. So, look forward to that. As soon as that strike is over, it's it's gonna be pretty wild. And yeah, I mean that's not even it. I mean we're gonna be able to talk to some of the artists that work on the High Republic comic. Talk to the writers who are writing the comics as well. We get to pick their brain to a certain extent. So, I mean the window is crazy that we're going to be able to do these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. And we've spoken to all these people in person pretty much too. And it's, it's wild. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm in shock. I don't know. 
my brain really can't comprehend it. But yeah, I mean that's that's what they do now. So yeah. So yeah, podcast that's... is the new the new galaxy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. It's can't believe it sometimes. But I think that's all I have, Ray. If there's anything else, is there anything else you want to talk about before we go? Did I fail to mention? Um, what about where we're going to be this coming weekend? Uh, the place we're going to be this coming weekend. Uh, I believe I have a photo here. And here's another person that I never <laughs> thought that I would meet. And of course, she's a person from my childhood, so to speak. And uh, she was actually an actress in the book of Boba Fett, which she kind of stole the show a couple times. And she was terrific. And uh, hopefully she didn't perish alongside Max Rebo. But yeah, uh, Jennifer Beals, she'll be at uh, Giganticon in Colleen, Texas. So we're going to try and go there, talk to her, see if she wants to come on the podcast. Um, I wouldn't see why she wouldn't. Um, but of course, there's the whole actor strike, and we can't interview her on site due to the actor strike. But and I also want to say this too before we go. I spoke with Chris Bartlett a lot, and one of the things I just remembered he told me was he wants us to keep on watching Star Wars, keep on interacting, keep on podcasting, despite all the strikes that are happening. He he explicitly told me that if we stop talking about star wars if we stop podcasting if we stop going to these fan events that lucasfilm holds star wars is going to stop and he doesn't want that he said that these strikes will eventually be resolved and their jobs will still be there so please keep on listening to podcasts creating podcasts talking about star wars buying the merch doing the whole thing watching the film streaming on disney plus going to the fan events and I was so glad that he told me that because I was already doing that. But just to hear it from one of the actors was just kind of validation for my opinions. So I just want to say that. And dude's got a cool signature. I mean, look at that. <laughs> awesome. I love it. It's one of my favorites now, along with Katie Sackhoff. It's brilliant. So with that, my name is David and we will see you Tuesday for the pre-show and the post-show. And then we'll probably do a breakdown. So stay tuned for all that. And thank you everyone out there for listening to all the shows that we're doing. I think we're, we have a record number of listeners, uh, record number of YouTube likes. Uh, if you could like the video, subscribe if you haven't subscribed. But thank you to everyone out there that uh, supports the podcast, especially our awesome patrons. So for Retro Ray, my name is David, and may the Force be with you. And like the Facebook user said, this is going to be my new thing. It's going to say, never tell me the odds. Nice.